Our thanks to the folks at Star Bank. What a cool family-owned, family culture bank they have. And you know, when you go in for lending, for example, you're going to get a local decision and pretty fast answers, too. And they're there to help you grow. Starbank.net. Check them out on the website when you get a chance and learn more about them. But I tell you, having a family-owned bank and having the folks there know how it is to start a bank and keep it going and now work in big markets as well. They've got 11 locations here in Minnesota. It's, But I mean, it's high-service bank. And in western Minnesota, as you know, they support the needs of our local farmers and a lot of ag-related business too. So make sure that if that involves you, that you get a hold of the folks at Star Bank. Let me spell it for you. Or on the web, it's S-T-A-R rbank.net. So pretty easy to remember there, starbank.net. And they reinvest in the communities they serve, which is also very cool. And they answer the phone when it rings at Starbank. There's something novel and new. Visit them, starbank.net. And check them out when you get a chance. Family-owned, really cool culture over there. He saw Taylor Swift when she was an opening act, and he knew she would soon be a headliner. He worked the show when Led Zeppelin performed at Met Center in 1977 and the next night at the St. Paul Civic Center. From Iron Butterfly to Shawn Mendes, he's still booking shows. Hi, friends. Dave Lee here along with our producer, Brianne. And those stories on the way next on today's edition of My First Concert. Welcome back to my first concert. Dave Lee here. Brianne is with me as well. Brianne, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Awesome. Want to thank the folks at Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone, for bringing this show to you. We talk about your first concerts and a lot of conversation after that, but it seems like we all remember that very first one, or among the first at least. You're listening to the Talk North Podcast Network, and remember, you can get these these downloads of these podcasts at Apple or Spotify or wherever you like to download those. So great to have you along. I'm bringing in a, a longtime friend of many here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, even though you don't know him, but he's a guy that's brought in a ton of acts for many years, first at the Met Center, and then, of course, now at the XL Energy Center, Jack Larson. Thanks for coming in, Jack. You're welcome, Dave. Good to be here. Well, we talk about your first concert, and you've worked – uh, the concerts, an unbelievable amount of concerts that you've worked at. Did Before you started working as just a youngster, did you go to your, what was your first concert as just a fan? Well, being in the business, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, basically when I was a sophomore, junior in high school, it's hard to have been to a concert before that. But yeah. <laughs> if my memory is correct, I believe I was at a concert at Midway Stadium that featured the Beach Boys, uh, just out with a bunch of Buddies and and it ended up going to that show and back then the Beach Boys were the top of the charts so it was a fun time. And then later on, of course, you I mean you've been, uh, there's a number of events, sporting events. It could be at uh, you know at ice skating events. You've hosted everything, but notably these concerts. So let's go back to your that first job. Tell us about that. Well, I was uh, just a kid in high school, working high school hockey coach. Got a bunch of us a job at the Met Center and. And we uh, working for the North Stars and then obviously the other events that were happening there and concerts for sure. And the first show I ever worked was Iron Butterfly in November of 1970. Wow. So that's a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And the encore number was? I'll bet you can guess that, Dave. I'm going to go with Inagata DeVito. You are right. <laughs> 17 minutes worth. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Drum still, solo, everything in there. <laughs> I still love that. In fact, you know, all those years of working radio, you'd always look for the long songs like In Agata De Vida so that if you had to, whatever you were going to, if you needed 17 minutes yep. to do something, oh, you yes. could put that on and just take a stroll you'd or whatever you would do. You'd see people rushing out to yeah. go to the bathroom or get another beer. I love that song, though. That song is just so iconic. Okay, so that... That was uh, at the, the Met Center, and that was 1970. Did you work that? You didn't work that show, or did you work that I show? I did work that show. That oh, was the first show work I worked. It. Yes. Wow. So I was a, what, a junior in high school, maybe? Man. So, yeah. So how many? So some of those early shows, what can you tell us about it? Well, you know, there's an interesting nugget about Grand Funk Railroad in you. Yes. Grand Funk Railroad was the second show I worked, and uh, that was in November of 1971. And we just had... Grand Funk Railroad at Excel. They were the opening act for Kid Rock just a month ago. So that's, a, I think, a 50-year time period there yeah. from, from one end to the other. <laughs> and they're still relevant. And they are, and they put on a great show. Did, how did, they, did they sound great? They sounded great, yes. We looked, I actually was actually looking forward to seeing them, just to see how they would be, and they were better than I thought they could be. I haven't seen them in a long time. I remember when uh, Kirby Puckett uh, retired and... There was a show outside of the Metrodome, and I think it was Ringo's all-star band that was playing for Puck Outside, and I am seated, and Mark Farner was the guitar player. Sure. You know, I mean, they, they had all, all these all-star yep. musicians, and I remember meeting Mark Farner there. I still think I have some pictures from that event outside of the old Metrodome. So anyway, Jack, going back to some of those concerts, was there any... I mean, we're talking a lot of years. Anything that stands out above the others or among the top 10, anything that you remember? Because you're working a lot of these. Yes. So I was working a lot of the shows. So I was there from the morning until after they were um, loading their equipment out. So I was there, saw a lot. Um, I would say, uh, you know, the backstage things that went on were back then were a lot different than they are today. Very much controlled these days. Uh, but it, it was more a lot of uh, of after show parties and things like that that people hung around the show or hung around the dressing rooms and things like that afterwards and it was it was more like you think a backstage would be like yeah. compared to these days. The hot the were the tickets as hot back in the seventies as they are today. I mean, has it always been a constant? If there's a good band, you can't get a ticket. Yes, I remember in nineteen seventy two. It was ten days after I graduated. I actually graduated from the Met Center in early June, and ten days later, we had the Rolling Stones there. <laughs> and that, that show is legendary because it's obviously it's sold out immediately. It's back when you had to come stand in line to buy tickets, basically. Oh, sure. And no other alternative, was there? No. And then, so and it sold out immediately. And uh, the night of the show, a lot of people didn't have tickets and wanted to come see the show. Well, <laughs> it ended up being some back and forth between the police and security and those people that were trying to get into the show. There was tear gas outside the doors and wow. things like that. It actually leaked into the building a little bit. Oh, my. It's funny, that show, that show uh, the opening act for that show was Stevie Wonder. Oh, and Stevie showed up, you know, in the middle of the day that day, some taxi cab dropped him off and <laughs> <laughs> all by himself trying to figure out where he was supposed to enter the building and stuff. So, um, wow. Can you imagine that? Stevie Wonder coming up in a taxi cab. That wouldn't happen today, would no, it? No, I wouldn't. God, that was, uh, that would have been uh, pretty cool. And the show, I, how was the sound? 
Well, you know, the Met Center took uh, was was not considered a great building for acoustics. Mm-hmm. Although over the years, uh, we put a lot of money in it. The owners of the North Stars put a lot of money into uh, making the building sound better. So it got better as time went on. But it wasn't really designed for you know the concerts at that time. So they had to adapt as time went on. Jack, I'm actually when you were coming in, I told you I was going to wear this T-shirt. And it's the T-shirt is a, a replica of one from Bloomington at the Met Center. And I turned around. Do you? I, I'll have to turn around and show you. Do you already remember what the date was? If I it was April something. Yes. So on the back, April twelfth of nineteen seventy-seven. And so I got this from my daughter, and it's Led Zeppelin at the Met Center. Do you remember that show? I sure do. Yes. Uh, now, I may be mistaken, but it, uh, there was a time when we did Led Zeppelin at the Met. They actually rehearsed there a few days, so it's it's funny because we there was a handful of us who were working around with the show and stuff. Actually, sat out in row five and just watched them <laughs> rehearse. <laughs> you know, we didn't know it really it was that big a deal back sure. then, but it, it turned out to be a huge deal. Um, and I, I'm not sure if this was the show or not, but the, uh, they played the Met Center on one night, and then the next night they played at the St. Paul Civic Center, which was it's very rare. Very rare has happened that a show was played in this market back-to-back, uh, two nights rolling in different different buildings. So, But they wanted to try it, and they did it, and they sold both built buildings out. And that was a, it was a legendary show. I never saw them. I, can, yes. I, I, I mean, obviously, we all wish we'd seen them, and then you're sitting out there at rehearsal, and I'm sure you're right. You don't comprehend probably what you're seeing at the time. Exactly. Man, oh, yes. man. Uh, did you get a chance to meet some of the, uh, the bands through the years? Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, in and out. I mean, I can remember Three Dog Night plays Met Center, you know, who knows, 10 times. And there was one night after a show, after the after party and stuff, I ended up in the dressing room with uh, a couple of the Three Dog Night members. And we just <laughs> sat around and BS and uh, talked for a while. You know, there's normal, regular people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which most of them are, basically. Yeah. But you know, there's some big ones. I mean, I actually met Elvis Presley. Uh, he, really? He played there at the Met a couple times. Yep. Uh, he met by meeting him. I shook his hand, basically. And, and, Great show. That was about it. But but yeah, there's a there's a number of those type of people that uh, you get to meet in the business, uh, and it's it's truly remarkable when when you you're able to do that. What were the what were the lines like when you had? And I don't know how Led Zeppelin sold in, but if they did two shows in each town, yeah, they, they must they have sold, sold well. What were the what were the lines like? Were they? I mean, were they to buy the tickets? Yeah, were people camping out overnight back then? That's exactly what happened. They, they'd camp out overnight in to get their place in line to buy the tickets. Uh, and the line would actually go all the way around the whole structure of the Met mm. Center. The Met Center that they could not blow down. Remember when they yes. tried to do oh, yes. it? Yeah. <laughs> Demolish it and it didn't, demolition didn't go. <laughs> Couldn't go down. So it was a heck of a building, that's yes. for sure. Yeah, and so would, at that time, did you limit tickets too? I mean, could you only get four per buyer? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't recall exactly, but there, was, there were limits. There might have been eight. Um, but it could have been four or eight. But uh, you couldn't come in and buy 100 and start no. selling to everybody in the back of the line. And that's when, you know, people started buying tickets. There were ticket scalpers, obviously, back then, too. That was a big business. And, uh, you know, but tickets were going for, you know, 10 bucks rather. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I see Led Zeppelin for $10. Yes. Can you even imagine? The um, concerts back in the day for booking them, who booked those? Back at that time, at the beginning of the Met Center, there was a Bob manager by the name of Ray Heim, who started uh, booking the shows at the Met Center. Then Bob Reed uh, took over for him, and Bob was uh, 
uh, ended up doing a lot of things in the Twin Cities. He ended up working, for, he did a lot of work for the high school league, a PA announcing and things like that yeah. for them too. So, And then uh, when he left, Frank Jarek took over and Frank booked the building for a lot of them the years at the Met Center. And then uh, the last couple of years uh, while I was still in town, uh, I did the booking of the building. Um, and that was basically, there was maybe one year after when I left, uh, there was somebody else, I can't remember his name, that came in and did that. The uh, the, the tear gas incident with the Rolling Stones, which leaked a little bit into the building, did you have anything else that, of the unusual that happened at any of these concerts that stands out? Well, uh, let me tell you what happened at concerts, uh, oh God, probably in the late 70s. The fire marshal was got very concerned about, and this might have been right after that incident happened in Cincinnati with the Who, where they all, oh, yeah. they all rushed into the GA show, they all rushed into stuff. Uh, the concern was how many people were on the main floor uh, for fire access, if there, are, if there was an, an emergency, how they can get out of there quick enough. And it was tough to control, specifically the hard rock shows where... People just the show the lights would go off and everybody jumped down onto the main floor. And the festival floor, seating? It wasn't festival seating, but it oh, turned into wow. festival seating. <laughs> <laughs> so what we did for that was, if you can imagine this, we put the hockey glass up for along along the dashers mm -hmm. uh, to keep people from jumping over. We didn't and on the at the med center. The glass on the sides was a lower glass was like three feet high. Well, that wasn't enough. So we actually put the tall glass from the ends on the sides of the rink so that people couldn't <laughs> jump over <laughs> and get onto the floor, which which created many issues just doing you know, sound effects sure. for the people producing the show was like, What are you what are you doing here? <laughs> how can I how can I mix the show with Poor bouncing sound off? Guy, of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at that time some of those shows were the hard rock shows where you know, you couldn't really tell the difference anyway, yeah. basically. But you know, people still tried to get over the the glass. They tried to climb the glass mm. and jump over. It was sort of us against them. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that. And glass, the tall glass. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's just, that would not be a, a good situation to try to crawl over that. But uh, yeah, you're right. If you're sitting behind that, suddenly the sound is a whole different. Yes. But this, the old soundboard guy who never gets attention anyway yep. is just probably going ballistic on something like that. Uh, we're talking with Jack Larson. Jack uh, currently, is, of course, runs the Excel Energy Center, but he's been involved in all the events over there since back in the day of the Met Center in 1970. I mean, when you can go back and talk about Iron Butterfly and the Encore being in a God of man, that is something else. More with Jack here in just a minute. I want to thank the folks over at Propane who have a great message for us. And, and we're all about being environmentally friendly right now, and we want environmentally, environmentally friendly energy for all of us. And so we're all about reducing carbon emissions right now. That makes sense. That's good stuff. But how do we do this? Using propane is just an outstanding way to reduce emissions while meeting energy needs. Maybe you haven't thought about it. But propane is a clean, non-toxic energy source, and what it does is reduce carbon emissions. And it does it right now, as we speak. In fact, propane's carbon intensity score, I love to bring this up, in Minnesota is only 80. Now think about that, even if you don't know a lot about carbon intensity scores, but it's 80, right? Grid electricity in Minnesota, which we're all familiar with, including wind and solar, ready for this? Has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. So there you go, propane much cleaner than electricity. And you may not have known that. I'm guessing you didn't, but 
the abundance of propane that we have, and the growth of renewable propane means we can use this for generations to come. So millions of Americans rely on propane to heat their homes or businesses. They fuel vehicles on road and off and much more, making propane the right energy right now. You can find out more about what propane can do for you and the environment by going to propane.com. Brianne, any thoughts here for uh, Jack? I mean, I guess I'm very complimentary because the XL is one of my favorite music venues. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I love seeing shows there. I, you know, I, I get excited anytime if they're at, you know, other venues throughout the Twin Cities. But really that when an artist or a band is coming to the XL, I'm like, yes, yes. it's just going to be such a great production. And it's just it, the facility is so nice and just the location is so nice. And I just I, I love the XL. So I'm very pleased with it. Now, this is interesting to me, Brianne. Jack, what was the first show at the XL Energy Center? The first show. That's a good question. Was that Slipknot? Was that Slipknot and Mudvayne? And that's the first one I worked. Well, that's the first one you worked. Yes, I was not there at the start, the first year of the XL. But the first one I worked was the Pledges of, Pledge of Allegiance Tour featuring Slipknot, <laughs> System of a Down. Wow, System of a Down. Ramstein. Yep. Mud vein and no one. So it was a pretty hard rock show. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to Mud vein shows before. And System of Down, I really like. Really? Yeah, I really do. Interesting. Yeah. They are very talented. It's not really my deal, but yeah. they are very um, talented. Yeah, and I'm kind of all over the map here for the most part. But uh, So at the XL Energy Center, how is that different than what you were doing at the Met Center for concerts? Well, so at the... Or Civic or Excel Center, um, I actually am responsible for the booking of the building. I'm Brian Miller, who works for me, he's the one that actually works with the agents and promoters and stuff. But we actually uh, go through and book all of the shows that come into the building. So I've been doing that since uh, 2001. Man, you got to know what's hot and what's what's not. Yes. So the promoters and agents, you know, help out a lot of it's, it's their their product and. They, they come to us, say, we have this show that's going to go out on the road, and you know, we, we want to come to your, your market, and we'd like to play your building and uh, bring the show there. And you know, we're always excited to bring anything, we, any type of mu musical act we can to, for fans like Brianne to come and see their favorite acts. Having said that, Elton John doing his final tour, I've, you've seen him a lot. I've seen him a number of times. I thought that might have been one his best show I've ever seen. I would agree with you. He he sounded excellent there, and he had so much energy both those nights. Uh, and the fans were just they ate it up. It was just it, the sound was was perfect, and it was just a great great show. That was a tough ticket too. Yes, it was. I mean, two solid shows. Speaking of tough tickets, can, there was a day I don't know if you could still do it where you go to Ticketmaster, for example, to get your tickets, and you say, "Well, I'm not going to get into the Minneapolis Ticketmaster, but I'm going to call the one down in Dallas." Yep. Oh yeah, call Rochester. I mean, you'd call <laughs> around to get them. Yes. Uh, um, and they were at Dayton's stores. I mean, remember? Oh gosh, I forgot about that. They, Dayton's was the first partner to get involved with uh, ticketing. And so I remember not only did you have lines at the facilities, but you also had lines at the Dayton stores where you could buy tickets for the concerts at those stores. Yeah, smart marketing by Dayton's yes. back oh, yes. in the day, right up there with their Daisy sale. <laughs> the, is there, I, I wouldn't say a best concert, but let's go back to the uh, Met Center. It, among the best concerts, if you had time to see some of them, and occasionally I know you did, is there anyone that, that is 
uh, stuck in your memory as being outstanding? There's a number of them, but, but you know, starting with you know Bruce Springsteen and Prince both played half house shows at the Met before they were huge stars. I did not know that. So yeah, so it was fun to see them at those in that setting. And then obviously, you know, Bruce Springsteen's played the played the Met many times, and also played Excel many times. Um, Prince is uh, the quick story about Prince is uh, for the Purple Rain tour. He rehearsed in a few buildings around the Twin Cities. If I remember correctly, it was the Met Center, the Minneapolis Auditorium back then, and then I think over at the Civic Center. And he did his shows opening of the tour at the Civic Center. But he re- he rehearsed. I think he. Start, started out being maybe you know four or five days, ended up being about seven or eight days, uh, just because they kept wanting to do more and more. And uh, to the point, we had a preseason wild game on Saturday, so this was leading up to that Saturday. And they came to me; they're supposed to be out Friday night sometime. And the production manager came up to me and said, "Jack, we need we need more time. He doesn't even come on stage till two in the morning. <laughs> we need we need till." noon tomorrow. And I said, I, I can't do that. The team's going to skate at 10 o'clock in the morning. We just can't do that. So I had to call Lou Nanny. Louie, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got this predicament here. <laughs> well, if you won't get me some ice time somewhere, uh, go ahead. We'll, we'll skate somewhere else. So I don't know about you, but I hate calling Lou Nanny <laughs> for anything. <laughs> so you can imagine what, what this was like. Well, they, what happened, there was an incident that night where he actually sort of slipped off the stage, so he hurt himself a little bit, so he had to, it pushed everything back, and they were still rehearsing up until about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm, I'm tearing my hair out, and I know, <laughs> we, now we have to, to break all this stuff down, and we have to yeah. get, get the hockey rink back up, and I, I'm telling you, it was touch and go as <laughs> to getting them out of there and having that preseason game happen that night, so I, I sort of avoided Lou the rest of the night. <laughs> And what I understand, those shows were great. I don't know where I was. I never saw any of them. I heard they were fantastic. Prince? Yeah. Yeah, so he always put on a wonderful show, yes, for sure. You know who put on a show, and I remember going to it uh, to see Adele when you had her at the XL when she was, I mean, she first started and yes. she was red hot. I don't even know which album it was. It really wasn't that long ago. And uh, I was lukewarm. I mean, I, 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 I was, or she's talented. I just, you know, from a guy who's been seeing Slipknot and Mudvayne to go and see Adele it wasn't probably a show I would have picked. Right. Yep. But it was sold out and we had a chance to go and and we went and that's one of those shows where I walked out and went man I would like to ha- sit with her for happy hour. She, I would just like to hang with her. She is so good. She was so great with that audience. She just owned the place. The place loved her. But you know it's not that I, dis- I didn't I dislike any. I liked her but you didn't love I don't her have to yet. spend that kind of money to go to it. And when I walked out, I said, I go see her tomorrow again in an instant. She was that, she was that, had that much charisma. Yeah, she had, we actually did a show, uh, a theater show, which was a half house basically with Adele. They actually moved it from the, uh, it was moved from one of the theaters in downtown Minneapolis because of this demand to a half house, you know, seven or 8,000 seat show at XL. Um, and then after that, she announced a big tour where she was playing two, three nights everywhere, and that's like I think the, might, the show you might have seen. Yeah, where, but it was, uh, and it was it, the demand for those tickets was you know, maybe one of the biggest we've ever had. And, really? Oh yes, yes, and 
and she came through too because the show, like you said, they were excellent, excellent shows. Yeah, I mean, she, she you just want to hang out with her. Yes, yep. just shoot the breeze. Very down to earth. Yep. Yeah, no filter. Yep. Yes, just for sure. Boom, yep. boom, boom, and then that voice of hers is just off the charts. We gave her a uh, wild jersey, the first show, the a theater show, and she actually, you know, but we do that a lot to to artists. To, it's a wild jersey with her name on it and stuff. She actually she didn't wear the shirt. She didn't wear the shirt out on the out on the stage, but she brought it with her and, and had it hanging right next to her <laughs> yes. during the whole show. I forgot about <laughs> that. You're right. Before you started doing that, because there's some wonderful pictures in the lobby of the XL when you walk in. Did you do anything like that at the Met Center? I think we always did something, um, but it wasn't as big as what we do right now. So yeah, so always tried to do something. Yeah. Another show, Brian, that I remember, uh, well, I've been to so many uh, concerts through the years, but when Paul McCartney did, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the tour. Was it 02 maybe? I can't but he was at the XL yeah. Energy Center. Was it back in the USA or back in the... Yeah, oh, I can't remember the name of the I tour. I can't remember the, uh, you know, as opposed to back in the USSR, that yes. song. But <laughs> I, I, it was something like that. Anyway, that, I was excited to go. I went with my buddy Kevin Lynch. And we're, 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 we're fans. We like the Beatles. Yep. I wouldn't call us knuckleheads. Like McCartney, wouldn't call us McCartney knuckleheads, but respected, admired the guy. And that show, again, that's another one. And I walked in, I swear to God, I walked in behind Vince Gill and Amy Grant. Really? Yeah, we're almost positive. I mean, without going up and, you know, grabbing them, say, hey, Vince, let's go play some golf. But they were, they walked in front of us. Now, why they would have been at that show, I don't know. But, People were crying. People were crying when he sang Hey Jude or whatever. Yep. It might have been one of the best sounding shows I've ever heard in an arena. Really? Yes. In fact, the Paul's manager at, at the time made a comment, something to the effect of, I'd like to put this building up on wheels and take it with us around the, oh, around the country. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. That's what I mean. It's just, I can't emphasize enough. It's just such a great venue for concerts, all kinds of different concerts. And it, it's, I'm kind of sounding kind of cheesy on it, but it's just, I, I really appreciate if I'm going to go see an arena show, it being at the XL. Well, it's good to hear because uh, I wasn't there when the building was built, but I can give a lot of credit to the people who were responsible for that, including Mr. Nagley, Nagley who was uh, very involved in that. Uh, but there was a lot of things they did for the facility to make it a great sounding show, a con concert hall. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you can hear the difference. Yes. So I, that's really important to me as well. Yeah, many people it, it, in the industry, it's still considered one of the top, in the top five in North America for sure. acoustic wise. And I think we should take a lot of pride in that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So the set list, I was looking at the set list in O2. Apparently was that concert, okay. and I, I think it's it was uh, the I don't know I just saw it called the U.S. tour. I actually have something at home that uh, that says the tour. It's embroidered with the tour, and then of course I, I can't remember it. But yeah, he came out and then, yeah, he had the, the the band with him, and they sang. I think one of the second song he sang was Jet. Yep, and that place kind of went nuts. And then yeah, third song in. I remember this. All my loving, and the place just goes. <laughs> Crazy. So the atmosphere was fun, and then he did a couple of songs I didn't know well, and then I think eventually he got into, um, um, you know, some of his, you know, Eleanor Rigby and 
here, there, and everywhere, and a bunch of those. But then, and then he, of course, live and let die, which he had the explosions coming up. But that, that concert, I remember, as being, again, I wanted to go. If I didn't go, I'd have been okay. And I went to it, and I'm so glad I went to it. He's amazing, Paul is, when he on tour. The, the songs you're talking about there, those are back in the mid-'60s, the All My Lovin' and... Lady Madonna came out of the encore, did Lady Madonna. Did, I saw her standing there in one of the encores, which, of course, is one of their very first yes. hits. But, yeah, anyway, that was at the Excel Energy Center. Brianne, if you could tell Jack, who's sitting here right now, who books these concerts, who would you want to see? Well, I'm actually very excited that uh, Dermot Kennedy is going to come with Shawn Mendes. Good. But please book Dermot on his own. That is the next thing that's going to come up for sure. He's such a good singer-songwriter. That's kind of in that vein of we were talking about moving on yeah. in taste and things like that. And he's kind of a newer artist. And I'm I'm so obsessed with him and he's so good. So kind of keep keep eyes on that because he's kind of branching out into doing his own tours and things like well, that. Well, that's usually what happens yep. when you, know, you get to the right people uh, playing on the right act with the right act and you, well, you move right up. That's for sure. And you already know about him, so that's even better, right? Yeah, you'll be one of the, you'll be one of the people that's there before the first show or for the opening act. Kind of, I actually do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm always because you think you're going to see somebody special, and obviously in this case you will. Shaman Dezel. Oh, yeah, yes. I got nothing, nothing against Sean, but yeah. you know, it's funny you say that because going back to the Grand Funk Railroad with Kid Rock, that was there were more people. At the time that Grand Funk played, I mean, the building was pretty much full for the opening act, basically. Yeah. So it was fun to see that. How cool is that? The Are there opening acts that you saw that all of a sudden you realize, hey, you know, whoever it was, No Doubt, or was there a band that came along in an opening act that, that you could recall that, that turned into a megastar? Oh, it's, well, yeah. Taylor Swift. Oh, <laughs> Ever yeah. Ever heard of her? <laughs> so tell us she about that. She played for... Uh, she was opening the act for Rascal Flats and Keith Urban too, right? Wasn't she and, on a tour with Keith that Urban. or something? I think so. Yes, but yeah. I, at the Rascal, one of the Rascal Flats shows at XL, I remember the promoter telling me, uh, "Rascal Flats is going to be great, but you better watch this act here because she is going to explode here." And six months later, she's on tour herself. So it was amazing. They, she was pretty much up there on the stage by herself, you know, open act, and then turn around and turn into what she is today. Uh, uh, yeah, and she. I remember when she was over there and brought Ed Sheeran up on stage. Yep. And no, none of us really knew who Ed Sheeran was. Yeah. I know Ed opened up for her to, on her tour. Yes. Yeah, and he came out and sang with her. I think one of the songs. You know, I had a chance. I told you this, Brianna, and I had a chance to meet her one time. I don't know that you I told met me the story be- before a show. Before that show, I met her before that show. Uh, through my buddy Mick and he said, you want to go? And, and so we went, uh, my wife and I, and Taylor Swift came and met her, about 10 of us there. And she came down before the show. I think they, I don't know, there were a couple acts before she came out, if I remember right. Yes. And they'd already started. So she came down to see us and she walks in the room and I've, and I've been, you know, doing this uh, radio stuff for a long time and, and some TV stuff. And you do a lot of interviews. Nobody really cares about you as an interviewer, nor should they, right? <laughs> that you, you're there to ask them questions yes. about themselves. And listen here, and I have you in here, and I'm talking about myself. But I don't mean that. I mean to talk about Taylor Swift. So she comes down, and she sees my wife. And all she wants to know is, she says, the dress. Where'd you get the dress? And it's the, those shoes, where'd you get those? And now it's a conversation about what my wife's wearing. And then <laughs> I, I watched her work the room, and she, 
It was about everybody else. It was not about her. And I thought, man, she gets it. She is sharp. She does get it, yes. And she was so nice. That's what everyone says about her, is exactly your assessment of her. That's what everyone says about her. She just She's always been working the room in the most positive way. And she brings her mom. Her mom, yeah. mom comes on, and her mom then t- says, well, Taylor says, I got to go. You know, I got to get behind the stage pretty soon. But mom would like to take you through the backstage if you want to see it. And yeah. you're going, oh, you know, wow, are you kidding me? If I was famous, I'd want my mom with me, too, just to kind of handle the loose ends. You well, know? yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, she started so young, too. Yeah, yeah. Taylor is very genuine when, when you talk she? to her. Everybody she meets. I mean, she, she has a meet and greet for a lot of people. So it's tough to do. That's not easy to keep seeing people night after night after night like that. Very nice. Who else has been super personable through your many years, going back to 1970? Well, I'll say this, that uh, I've met Barbara Streisand twice. Once when I was working in San Jose at a show there, and then once here at Excel. And uh, you know, normally you meet them, you give them a, a gift, and they say thanks. and that's See you later. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for Barbara Streisand, and Barbara Streisand is noted for, for you know, nobody sees her, nobody talks to her, look the other way if, you're, yeah, yeah. if you're, you're, you're going to run into her. And so we had a gift for her, and so they said, well, why don't you come down after the show and we'll see what we can do then. So I went down with the gifts in there and went in to give it to her. And, and then in her dressing room, it was all set up. This was like a nice living room, basically. Yeah, yeah. And her husband, Richard Brolin, was there. And they said, well, come on in, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sit down, okay. So I went in and sit down, give her the gift, and we sat there and had a 10-minute conversation. With, oh man! With, with Barbara Streisand, I was, uh, I was shocked that that actually happened. She probably just loved the. And you've done this for many years, yes. and if you're a little bit stunned, yeah, yes. And Bruce Springsteen's always been a very nice person to me. That's what I understand. Do you, are there really contracts that say don't look them in the eye? I don't think so. Okay. I've, I've never, heard- I've never seen that. It's yeah. been insinuated at times and stuff. You know, Neil Diamond used to be Neil Diamond. That's where I heard it. I heard production he- staff used to be very, very protective of him. Yeah. Uh, the late Patrick Stansfield, who was the legendary tour manager, um, was very tight with that kind of stuff. Uh, but um, they also, Neil also, when he was in town, there's uh, Tommy Collins, who was, uh, used to produce the ice shows here, was their merchandiser for many years. And he used to have Neil and their crew over, over to his house in Edina uh, after shows when he was here. And... Uh, and you didn't, I was over there a couple of times for uh, after show parties and stuff. And Neil was pretty much a regular person. He, you know, would talk to anybody who was in there and stuff. So it was, it's not as, it's, it, they're not as uh, a way aloof to, to people as you might think. Sometimes it's like the myth around them and yes. kind of the people that protect them that kind of create that. Where, like exactly. you said with Barbara, she's perfectly nice and yes. doesn't, doesn't mind taking a few minutes to talk to you. So I hear that a lot actually too. Yes. Because they're regular people. <laughs> yeah. You see, so. Well, you've met them all. I mean, you, you know, for, and ever, all genres. Yes. Uh, so, um, Matt Center days, Jack, any other memories that kind of stick out for you there? Uh, meeting Elvis Presley. He played there twice when I was there. And uh, in my meeting, when I say meeting, I mean, shake his hand, say, right. good show. That's, yeah. that's, that's meeting him. So, um, that one. And then, uh, you know, the... A huge show at the time back at the Met Center was uh, Michael Jackson. Oh, I mean, remember, wow. how, remember how big he was? Yeah. And the shows he'd put on. Don't get any bigger than he was. No, and he did three shows, I think, three straight shows. 
and they were the shows were unbelievable over the top um never really got to go in and talk to him at all because they were very very protective of him but i just remember at anywhere the day days he was here like even in the hotel they they had a whole uh floor locked off for him and he couldn't enter through the main entrance he had to go through the back doors to get in and out of the place and stuff like that yeah, people staking out his hotel, I'm yes. sure, and wanted to see him. I just him. remember that being such a, a demand to to see him. I never saw him a person. I've only seen videos. It just uh, he he was so good. But I would assume he may have been might have been one of the hardest workers out there, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he oh, put yes. on a show, didn't he? Yes, he sure did. The show, the, the three shows that he did that the one time was unbelievable. That all, all that goes into it. One of the things that uh, I should mention is we, we filmed the, the Black Cat video for Janet Jackson at the Met. Oh. So it was before it was before the opening of our tour. and That's probably when Jimmy and Terry were producing yes. her, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so they actually had a black tiger there. Well, not a tiger, but it was a... Like a puma or something? Yeah. I mean, live. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, roaming... Oh. roaming around you know, with, oh. with the trainer. Yeah, still. And one time I was walking down with the production manager who turned the corner. Ah, there's a puma. <laughs> and then to talk about animals, ZZ Top, when they were in their heyday, yeah. uh, they used to travel around with uh, animals with them. They, had a, they did? Oh, yeah. They had a... Like a pets, you mean? Or? No, not pets. They, they used them as props on, oh, okay. the, on the show. They had a steer, a big steer on the... <laughs> <laughs> in... Uh, oh. Eagles and hawks, and <laughs> I think uh, I think they actually had a vet that traveled with them. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily you've had animal shows in your arenas too, yes, right? We have the circuses and yeah. stuff too. So yes, ice shows. Uh, of all the things you do, do you have a favorite? Are concerts favorite? Are sporting events favorite? Because you were a hockey player, obviously, so I'm sure you love watching the North Stars and Wild. But are or is it all all enjoyable? After hockey, it's all enjoyable. I'll say because it's. It's never the same. It's something different all the time. So that's what makes the job interesting because you're not doing the same thing every day. So seeing all different types of shows, concerts, the family shows, yeah. wrestling, boxing, going, going back to the, the, the Met Center days again, uh, we used to do the boxing via big screen TV. So I remember the, yeah. thr- the thrill in Manila. Yes. Ollie Fraser, back, you know, we'd sell... 15,000 tickets to watch it on the big screen. and uh, Those were fun. Those are fun to be able oh, to watch. Yeah, because I remember listening to, uh, with my dad, who was a boxer at one time, and they would do the round by round. We had to listen on the radio at home, and they do a summary. Might have been the Mutual Radio Network, if I remember right. They do a summary of what just happened. So being able to see it live, like at the Met Center, would have been just a kick. Yeah, we had Scott Ledoux had a title about against, was it Larry Holmes? I'm, I'm Ken Norton, Larry Holmes, one of those two. But Muhammad Ali came to the, to the event. <laughs> so it was fun seeing all those people there, especially Muhammad Ali. God, yeah, talk about names. Hey, Jack, we could go on and on. There's a, a million shows through the years, but I really appreciate you uh, joining us in the podcast. Really fun talking to you about some of these things. Well, this has been fun. Thinking all these memories and jogging my memory a little bit. So that's, that's been great, Dave. That's the beauty of, of talking music on a podcast because it brings back a lot of memories and yes. mostly good. And, you know, it seems like some of these events we remember in our lives where we were are unfortunately not always the happy moments. But when you think about concerts, most of us can kind of remember, if not the first one, a number of them. And inevitably, it's, 
now as you, you know, as you, as you're in your car right now or whatever you're doing and you start thinking, Oh yeah, maybe, or maybe I took somebody to that concert or I ended up marrying somebody or I wonder what happened to my buddy that, yeah. Cause I, I told Brianne about the time my buddy Terry picked me up at the bean plant after I'd worked, you know, eight to five and we went to a concert. <laughs> I can't even imagine what I smell like, but, uh, but those, but they're all fun memories. Yes, they are. Jack, appreciate that. Good luck with the upcoming shows as well. Thank you, Dave. He is Jack Larson. Jack, of course, books and runs the XL Energy Center with all those acts that we talked about, continues to do that with a great legacy through these many years. We appreciate his time here today on my first concert. Brianne, always great to see you again, and we'll look forward to next week, see who's going to join us. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And, uh, of course, you're listening to the Talk North Podcast Network. And, again, you can uh, download this podcast wherever you get your uh, podcast at Apple, Spotify. You know all of the spots, so feel free to do that. Thanks so much, and, again, especially to Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone, for bringing you this show on the Talk North Podcast Network. 